My mission in life right now is to help Christians, especially leaders, build a private life that empowers your public platform. Because I think you can go one of two directions. Your private life, and by that I mean your private practices, can either empower your platform, it can give it strength, it can give it power, longevity, or it can entangle your public platform and your ministry and your impact by tripping you up through your inconsistencies, through your unhealthy mindset and the insecurities that you let run rampant in your own heart. Welcome to Dreamers and Disciples. I'm really glad you've joined me for the podcast today. And I'm going to start by sharing one of my most embarrassing moments. This was way back in my Way Joy Band days in my 20s. This was like early 2000s, and I was a substitute teacher whenever my band wasn't traveling and touring. And I mean, we didn't really tour that much. That makes it sound like we were way more successful than we were. Uh, But we were touring around youth groups and colleges in South Carolina. I'll put it that way. But whenever I was substitute teach, just to make a little extra money, I looked pretty young. I'm a short guy. I remember sometimes I'd be in the teacher's lounge and they would... Um, asked me for my hall pass, thinking I wasn't supposed to be in there. But most of the time, it it was okay. But I remember my very first time being a substitute teacher. I was in this class. It was a high school. And I had this Sharpie that I was holding. And I was sitting there and I was kind of like putting my hand on my face, just rubbing my forehead, my cheeks, while the kids were working on an assignment or a test or something like that. And I thought I was doing a pretty good job leading them to get their work done. And I remember they were started to giggle and and laugh at me. And and you could just tell that something was going on in the room. And then finally, I mean, I was clueless, but finally this very kind boy raised his hand and he said, hey, Mr. Joy, I think you need to look in the mirror. And so I went over to look in the mirror and realized that somehow that Sharpie had busted and I had ink, permanent ink, all over my face. And that was like the first class of the day. I tried, like I scrubbed, tried to get it off, but I was just stuck looking just so stupid for the rest of the day while I was trying to lead these kids and to help, you know, hopefully them take me seriously. And I was always very, very careful about what pens I used and how much I touched my face after that. And I'd share that story just to say that there was something that was so distracting about me that was hindering the way I led other people. And I was paying attention to the room. I was paying attention to how I was instructing those students, but I wasn't paying attention to myself until somebody raised their hand and said, hey, you need to look in the mirror. And I think there's a lot that we can glean just from that principle in and of itself. And it's actually a scriptural principle. I want us to look at Acts 20, verse 28. This is in the ESV, and this is Paul speaking. But as a leader, and just in life in general, there's a lot you have to pay attention to. You have to pay attention to your responsibilities as a husband or a wife, as a parent, as an employee, as a manager, 
as a coach for your kid's little league team. You have to pay attention to the budget, to your finances, how you're providing, how you're managing your time. There's a lot that is competing for your attention. And here's what Paul says in Acts 20. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So he's talking to elders in the church and he's saying, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. And I think as leaders uh, are people that have been entrusted with authority and responsibility, it's easy to pay attention to other people and to the task at hand and to what we're supposed to do. But here Paul's saying, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. And what I'm learning more and more in this season is I need to pay attention to what's going on in my heart, to what's going on in my mind. And I love that this translation says, pay careful attention. We have to be mindful. We have to inspect what is going on. We have to look closely. And as I have paid attention more and more to my own life in this season, and as I look back at the struggles that I've encountered, and as I look at what I've helped other leaders walk through in my coaching with them, or when I go and work with a church or a team, or just even in my time pastoring people at Elevation, I have seen three main issues that all of us need to pay attention to, especially if you're in leadership. Because a lot of times these issues might not be as apparent to you, but they're apparent and they're evident to the people that are closest to you because they would describe you as anxious. They would describe you as distant. They would describe you as controlling. And you don't even realize that that's how they're experiencing you. But if you pay attention to this, you can begin to get to a place where they describe you as loving and caring and generous. But you have to look on the inside and you have to deal with these three main issues. These problems that steal our joy. The first is imposter syndrome. That is kind of more and more of a trendy um, term in our culture, but it points to a very present struggle and reality where we don't think that we're worthy of the position that we're in, the responsibilities that we've been given, the job that we've been entrusted with. You don't think that you can talk to your team about having a culture of prayer because you're like, ah, I know how inconsistent I am with my prayer life. And so you begin to doubt yourself. You begin to listen to other people's opinions, to other people's assessment of you. You listen to your own insecurities rather than listening to what God has to say about you. So that's imposter syndrome. And really it's designed to keep you stuck, to keep you from not walking in the calling that God has for you. I've even heard it described as the silent killer of your calling. So that's one issue. The second is competing demands where there feels like there are so many demands on your time. And it's not like this one is really important and then the other is not so important. It can feel like the older you get that everything is important. You have so many plates spinning. You know you need to be there for your family. You know you need to be there as a good employee. You know you need to be there for your friends. You know you need to take care of yourself and exercise. You know, most importantly, you need to have an active growing relationship with God. You're like, I don't know how to how to handle all these competing demands and all these different hats that I'm supposed to wear. And you can feel like you're always defeated. You're never giving enough time to your most important priorities. And then the third problem that all of us face 
whether we recognize it or not, and we've talked about this a lot on the podcast, is unsatisfied ambition. This is that feeling like you've got to keep accomplishing more. You've got to keep achieving that your joy is somewhere else further down the line. Once you've finally, you know, achieved your dream, when you finally built the company, when you finally gotten married, when you finally had the kids, then maybe you'll feel fulfilled. And like all of that ambition, all of that drive, all of that work was worth it. And what I find is that all of that is centered around our own efforts our own validation, our own accomplishments, and it never quite seems to satisfy. Yet we know we're supposed to be ambitious. We know we're supposed to maximize what God's entrusted to us. So what do we do with that tension? Um, How do we handle our identity when it comes to imposter syndrome? How do we handle our time when it comes to the competing demands? And how do we handle our gifts and our dreams when it comes to this unsatisfied ambition? We'll get back to the show in just a moment, but I wanna personally invite you to join my new mentorship. This is the Joyful Leader Mentorship. It's a journey to help Christians with a public platform avoid burnout and find deeper fulfillment in their private lives. I wanna help us tackle three of the biggest problems that I've faced myself as a leader, and I've seen so many other leaders face, but I know that we can be transformed in these areas as we become more and more of a joyful leader. Number one, we're gonna look at imposter syndrome and how to move from that to a more confident identity. Second, I wanna look at competing priorities where there are so many different demands on your time as a parent, as a spouse, as a friend, as a leader, providing financially for your family. How do you make it all work without dropping one of the plates that just can't drop? So we're gonna learn how to move from competing priorities to a unified focus, how to integrate those priorities into your life. And finally, we're gonna look at the problem of unsatisfied ambition. Now, ambition is a good thing, but when it's an unsatisfied ambition, where we feel like we're constantly having to prove ourselves or to be successful or to look like we're successful, it is trying to fill a void inside of us where we are the center of our own company. We're the center of our own dream. We're the center of our own ministry. And we need to learn how to move from that to diversified satisfaction, where we can be satisfied in how we raise other people up and how we empower the people that God has called us to influence and called us to lead. So if you wanna know more about the Joyful Leader Mentorship, just go to wayjoy.com forward slash the Joyful Leader or check the link in the show notes and YouTube description. All right, back to the show. I wanna revisit this scripture that we actually looked at very early on in one of the first episodes of this podcast. And it's from 2 Kings chapter 18. And this is a story about King Hezekiah. He's one of the good, godly kings of Judah. And he's one of the few kings in Judah and Israel who have actually helped try to turn the people's hearts back to the Lord and away from idol worship. And so as he's doing this, he's tearing down the high places and the idols. And this is what the word of God tells us in 2 Kings 18, verses three through four. Uh, It says, he did what was right, and this is Hezekiah, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father David had done. He removed the high places and broke the sacred pillars, cut down the wooden image and broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the children of Israel burned incense to it. Now, I'd read that many, many times in my life and just kind of just glanced over it as just a very small detail. 
until one day the phrase, uh, he broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made really just stuck out to me. And I connected the dots and realized that that was the same bronze serpent that God had told Moses to make back in Numbers 21. This is when the Israelites were wandering through the wilderness. They were grumbling as they were prone to do against God, against Moses. The Lord judges them by sending serpents to bite them, poisonous serpents, and they were dying. Moses intercedes for the people. And then finally, God instructs Moses to do this in Numbers 21, verses 8 through 9. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who is bitten when he looks at it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Now, I want you to get the picture. These people are dying. Moses is holding up this bronze serpent. And if they just look towards the serpent, in faith that they would be healed, they were healed. Now, in the grand context of Scripture, this is a foreshadowing, a picture of what it would be like when Christ was raised on the cross so that all who look to Him by faith for our salvation will be saved. And so that's the big picture context. But for our purposes today, what I've been struck with in the last several years is that here was this bronze serpent that had been made with the purpose of drawing people's hearts and their affections and their eyes towards Yahweh, towards worshiping Yahweh, and over the course of hundreds of years had now become an object of worship itself, drawing people's hearts away from the Lord. And this didn't happen dramatically. It didn't happen overnight. It was little by little by little of the people of Israel, the people of Judah, not paying attention to the state of their heart. So not only is this a caution for us of the importance of paying attention, but I think it shows us how something that God has given us as a gift can be held incorrectly and become something that actually weighs us down and becomes a burden. I mentioned last week in the episode that my mission in life right now is to help Christians, especially leaders, build a private life that empowers your public platform. Because I think you can go one of two directions. Your private life, and by that I mean your private practices, can either empower your platform, it can give it strength, it can give it power, it can give it longevity, or it can entangle your public platform and your ministry and your impact by tripping you up through your inconsistencies, through your unhealthy mindset and uh, the insecurities that you let run rampant in your own heart. And so I want us to look at those three problems again and see how in each of them, we are holding a gift that God has given us, but we're holding it incorrectly. And because of that, it has the tendency to trip us up and to affect our joy, to affect our fulfillment, and to affect the way that we lead and empower and inspire other people. So let's look at imposter syndrome again, because I think imposter syndrome With this, you are holding your calling too fearfully. You are thinking that someone else can take your calling away and you're thinking that someone else can validate your calling rather than realizing that your calling and your identity and your purpose comes from Christ. It's who you are in Jesus. And when we're constantly trying to prove ourselves to other people or we're constantly focused on our own insecurities, our own weaknesses, 
then we are shrinking back from our calling rather than leaning into it, rather than taking action. You see, imposter syndrome wants to keep you stuck. It wants to keep you in hiding, whereas God wants you to confidently know your identity and then to move forward from that identity and then to actually live a life that is consistent with that identity. Because sometimes imposter syndrome is because we know how inconsistent our life is from what we say on a platform. But when we can have a real confident identity, then we can say, all right, I want to live through practices and habits and routines and by taking actions that reinforce who Jesus says I am. I'm not trying to prove something to anybody out of legalism, but I am living this way because this is who I am in Christ. So we have to learn how to hold your calling, hold your identity correctly. Now, with competing demands, you're holding the gift of time, which time is a gift. You're holding it too passively. You're not being a wise steward of the time that God has given you. When you don't have a plan for your time, you will not be present. You will not make the most of it because nothing good happens in your life or with your schedule until you take ownership of it, until you purposefully plan for presence. When you can, with intention, order your priorities and know not just what is good for the day, but what is best. And then not to have this false expectation that you're going to just get two hours of prayer, two hours of working out, two hours of quality time with each of your children. No, you're, you're realizing, okay, this is the time that I have to work with. These are all my responsibilities, and I'm going to find pockets of presence throughout the day. So I'm going to make sure I don't overschedule my meetings so I can have these 15 minutes to recenter myself. I'm going to make sure I go on this 20-minute walk after dinner, and we're going to go as a family, and we're going to keep our phones back at the house so we can all talk, and I'm also getting exercise at the same time. But you're being intentional with your technology. You're being intentional with your transitions. You're being intentional with your time, and you're integrating your priorities. And then the third issue, once again, is unsatisfied ambition. And here you are holding your dreams too tightly. You're holding your goals, your plans, your ambitions too tightly because it's all focused and centered around you. Whereas God wants you to open your hands and to realize that your dreams are not about you. They are about His kingdom, His purposes, and about blessing others. So you have to learn how to diversify your satisfaction beyond just you and actually see that you can put your satisfaction in other people's accounts as you empower them, as you encourage them, as you push them forward, and just as you trust God with what is in your heart and as you learn to be thankful for what He has given you right now in this moment. You're not saying your joy is going to happen one day when your dream's fulfilled. You are deciding to choose joy right now in this day. So just to sum that up, I want to help you move from imposter syndrome to a confident identity. So I want you to think, what thoughts do I need to take captive? And then how do I need to actually take action in alignment with those thoughts and in the direction of my calling? I want to help you move from competing demands to integrated priorities. I want you to look at your schedule and think, where can I actually make time for something that is truly important and let go of something that is sapping my energy, that doesn't need to be there anymore. If you can get 30 minutes back a week 
by not scrolling on Instagram as much, by not mindlessly just watching Netflix at the end of the day, you can get three and a half hours back a week of margin and time that you can actually focus on something that is more important. And then finally, with unsatisfied ambition, I want you to think through who are the people that are closest to you right now that God has called you to invest in, that God has called you to encourage, that God has called you to champion. And then find ways to intentionally do that with one of them this week. Just start small. But each of these challenges and problems are what we focus on in my new mentorship, the Joyful Leader Mentorship. And this is where I wanna help you as a Christian uh, build a private life that brings you deeper fulfillment, greater joy, and that actually empowers your public platform. And so if you wanna find more information about that, you can just check the link in the description of the video, or you can go to the show notes of the podcast. But I wanna hear from you. Which one of these do you struggle with? Is it imposter syndrome? Is it competing demands? Is it unsatisfied ambition? I know for me, it's been all three at different seasons of my life. And then in one season, one of them becomes more of the pain point. But where are you at right now? And then how can I pray for you? And if you're interested in the Joyful Leader Mentorship, let me know. And I can't wait to see you back here next week for more dreamers and disciples. Mm -hmm.